Hello and welcome to my six-day Christmas special series of Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to be honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in an often male-dominated world. I've reached the half-year mark, which means that each week for the past 26 weeks, an incredible woman in STEM has shared her stories and experiences. She may have been a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. What's special about silence is that all my guests have been deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted or even intimidated by her achievements or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. Through my work reporting on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years, I've met some incredible females from a diverse range of STEM fields, and some of them have been brave and kind enough to share their personal stories with me on this show. These women have been doing groundbreaking work within the world of STEM, but what has been most impressive and inspiring for me is learning about their human side. Here are some of the best sound bites from across the first 13 episodes. It gets raw, upfront and transparent, and I hope what you hear in the next half an hour over the next six days resonates with you too. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even leave some comments and reviews. I'd love to have your feedback. Enjoy. Uh, I really like to learn. I think that's an important part. My plan as of now is to keep trying things and see what sticks. When you know how to learn and you know how to use the tools, I think there's some comfort that you'll be able to find your way. And I think that women have an easier time finding their way to that humility, in part because it's the stance that we're taught that we are, that it is unbecoming to be boastful. Uh, It's unbecoming to be confident, right? So my observation is a little bit more in a hindsight kind of way that I think maybe there's a shorter path for women to really embodying um, a stance that leads, that leadership comes from a place of humility than for men. But I still think the best people I work with are those who, who lead from that position. And, and I feel very lucky to have found a bunch of men that, that really do that. I mean, being in a challenging field, you are going to have experience with failure. You're going to mess something up. And that's can be super helpful. That's a way to relax and be, you know, okay, this test really didn't work. How can we make a new one? Part of that, honestly, is it's it's difficult to imagine yourself in these fields when you don't see other people like you in them. Mechanical engineering is such a diverse field too. I talk a lot specifically about uh, design engineering, but there's there are so many um, different aspects to mechanical engineering. Every object we touch is um, influenced or designed by a mechanical engineer. Um, you're toilet paper holder, your lamps, um, the machines that, you know, die cut the fabrics on your pillows, um, things like that. So if I would say um, if you are a person that appreciates objects, like if you are materialistic in that way um, and you want to make objects and make them work for people, I think you should really consider mechanical engineering. It's 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 a lot of creativity and it's a lot of problem solving. Um, the math and the science just are the tools to get there. I, mean, I think the greatest thing about being a woman is that you do actually get to um, have a, a taste of both worlds. Like you you can you can be very much in a male world. Also, it has to be said, the world itself is becoming sort of 
has, has been coming for a long time more of a startup world, people living in entrepreneurial. There's more scope for people to set up their own companies. And I think that that's also helping with uh, women being ambitious about things like architecture. Because now, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I want to be an architect or if I want to be a designer, an interior designer, I can actually do it on my own and have a, a balanced lifestyle whilst I do it. I don't necessarily have to be lost in the commercial environment, which isn't necessarily as well suited for women. All of those things rely on a healthy dose of curiosity, especially if you want to make something new. It takes asking questions. And actually, I think even just to thrive in the world today, one kind of needs to be curious about what's actually happening. And its systems are becoming more and more interconnected. And so having that as a skill is really important. And I would say one of the problems with that idea of perfection, or let's say displaying what feels like vulnerability, is if you want to know things, you have to ask questions. And at some point in school, it feels like if you ask questions, you're the dumb one, but because you inherently have to acknowledge that you don't know something. And so a lot of the work I do now, where I work with entrepreneurs and corporates and people who are really high caliber top of their game, this idea of humility is a really important part of that. And when I look back at how science functions, you need a high degree of humility to get to a breakthrough. I mean, if you thought you knew everything, what would there be to discover or design? I hope when I get there and I get to go to Mars, that I'm not the first woman on Mars. I'm just the first person on Mars. I remember thinking that in middle school. It's more that we want to make sure that everyone believes that they are capable, no matter, you know, gender, race, um, ability, anything. Like, if this is the thing that you love, this is what we want you to do. One of the things that we haven't really talked about, but I think certainly um, impacts probably almost everyone who pursues STEM, but especially I think women, is uh, a concept called imposter syndrome where we often feel like uh, any success is undeserved and that at any moment somebody's going to figure out that we don't belong there. Um, so I know I personally struggle, have struggled and still struggle a lot with self-doubt about myself and my abilities. And so having people externally to look to who, who had confidence in me was always really important as a way to sort of recalibrate my own views of myself. Um, so I think having that kind of support and and having people who are willing to say like, no, you, you're good at this is really important in helping us actually pursue those passions and, and you know, reach our full potentials. And honestly, I think Personally, discovering that there were terms for things like this, that that feel that that feeling of being in, an imposter is not just local to me. That's something that other people feel so much so that there's entire people who spend their research careers studying the concept. I think that is uh, kind of liberating in a way because it makes you realize that you're not nearly as isolated as you feel like you are. It's always going to be essential to have men and women around a table when you're dealing with a subject that is so much about people. You can't just have one sex being able to understand the way humanity sort of operates. I think you need you, you essentially have to have both men and women at that table. But in terms of, sort of more, on a more practical level, I think women certainly bring an, a, a softer element to a boardroom. 
um, is that ability to identify, I think they call it EQ. Uh, I think what women do and what women can do is they can really identify with people's feelings, uh, the more sentimental side of things. So I think it's essential for women to be around board table, particularly in architecture, when it is ultimately about the way people live, the way people feel, uh, improving people's lives. No matter how sensitive a woman is, she should be able to go into math and physics. It should be on, I feel like there's this, this conception from certain people, like you've got to have a thick skin to go in science, but like a lot of people don't have thick skins and, and like, there are a lot of sensitive people out there that are totally wonderful and reasonable people. And being sensitive is not a negative characteristic, but it's being portrayed as a negative characteristic in STEM. So that's where I get frustrated. Like, like, yes, I think that it doesn't bother me as much and that's probably helped me to be successful, but that's not going to help us to get more women in STEM. Some people I think can, they assume that you're smart because you're an aerospace engineer. And I think it's more that I work really hard. Um, it doesn't always come very easily to me. I used to go to tutoring sessions and I spent a lot of time in the third floor of the library. So I, to me, I think that the real key is it, it's a constant recalibration of what direction you're headed and, and what's ahead of you and what you're leaving behind. Um, and I think that needs to be done fairly frequently. And we have choices, you know, and w- where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, I do believe that. I think you know, if you have a fancy bank account, great, but maybe you don't. I think like anything in life, first of all, there's no guarantees because even if you pursue an advanced degree, there may be limited spots or, you know, who knows what happens. And so I think it a constant um, series of trade-offs and trying to decide what's worth it. Yeah, I think it is mostly a, a work environment issue. I don't think my workplace has the healthiest work culture. It's uh, it's definitely a place where they they burn people out and then you get replaced with the next batch of um, people. Um, there there are some um, gender issues uh for instance um only the me and another um mechanical engineer uh only females in the company there's no um female leadership there's no um just even mentorship at my company that's non-existent so i don't really have anyone to look up to i don't have that many people within the company i can talk to because if i talk about how I'm struggling, that's a sign of weakness and a way I, I could get fired. Actually, someone uh, got let go a few weeks ago for being, um, quote, too emotional at work. It is. And yeah, I don't know how to answer it. I, I think just in general, though, these feminine traits, um, being emotional, um, having, you know, um, relationships, having empathy in the office, those types of things are seen as weaknesses. And it, it doesn't have to be related, um, in this case, to um, gender. But um, yeah, kind of what you were saying, it's it's a boys club, you got to be part of the boys club. And the boys club jokes around, they don't discuss their feelings, you just you kind of have to hide all of that. I think the hardest part is that you, at least I always fear that I am not representing just me, but like all women. But I think it's just this underlying fear um, that maybe you just hear somebody joke about something or whatever, that maybe I'm uh, I'm representing more than just myself since there's so few of us. I do think that 
women will always have the challenge of having to decide whether they want to have a family and raise a family. And I think that's often a decision that's made in your 20s. So, and that's obviously a time when you're sort of, uh, you know, it's kind of like a a moment where you're going to pick your career, where you're going to pick family over the career. And I think men don't have that choice. Men can do both at the same time. And I think that probably is a lot of the reason that women who originally enter these fields end up leaving them because they it just gets to be a burden having to deal with these extra expectations or these different expectations. And you you sometimes feel like you're being held up as a symbol for whatever group of people you represent, whether that's women in engineering or whether you're um, from a particular ethnic background or religious background or anything that makes you different, it gets frustrating to have to deal with kind of the burden of being held up as a symbol for that. And so a lot of times it just feels easier to take a turn and to maybe leave something that you're really passionate about, but move into an area where you don't have to bear as many burdens. Oh God, so many worries. <laughs> but I also, you know, it, it comes in waves. It's like some days you worry and some days you plan and some days you are completely unproductive and you feel like a, a total failure. And other days you're like, today is the day and you make it all happen. So it's, I think everyone's got those ups and downs. And I, what I'm learning, what I'm constantly teaching myself or, you know, learning from other people around me is like, it's totally okay to fail and it's totally okay to allow yourself to fail and to feel like if I'm failing, there's a reason I need to take some time and just chill out and relax and figure out what it is and address that first before I address the immediate failure. Like I said earlier, at the core of who we are, we want belonging and we want um, we want to have people around us who encourage us, who who validate us. Now, if you don't have that, I think your outlook on life um, might be more aggressive than it should be. Um, Because I know personally from my experience that just having the support of my friends, especially when when I I face obstacles, telling me just keep going, things will happen, don't worry about the situation now, you know, just keep going, put in the hours, put in the work, it's possible. I think that always, without fail, takes me out of a rut when I get down sometimes and encourages me to just keep going. And then I, I realize that actually they are right. Actually, things are going well now. So I think it's it's invaluable, really, to have an amazing support net, network. And investing in those networks actually is what is what comes back to you. You know, you know, finding time to spend with family and friends creating new friendships, you know, being being comfortable with leaving your comfort zone sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's essential that you have a, a good support network supporting you and cheering you on. Um, I was the oldest kid and that meant that I was the prime helper for whatever projects my father was doing, whether it was building furniture or um doing the kinds of woodworking that he would sell at arts and craft shows. So I learned from an early age about all different kinds of tools 
And I never had the perception that because I was a woman, I couldn't do these sorts of things. Um, because from my very earliest days, I was going to lumber yards with my dad and helping him with projects. So I think that was honestly an important influence in me heading toward engineering as well uh, as all of the stuff that my mom did as a science teacher. I mean, she was definitely much more into biology than I was. And I think she's always been a little disappointed that I never studied biology. There is such a solidarity between women in engineering and, you know, in school that I have this incredible group of friends who are all female engineers from chemical engineering to civil engineering and mechanical engineering and electrical engineering. And we'll just all hang out and do homework together. And having that space where you can like complain about, Oh my gosh, I'm on my period today and it's the worst and I can't focus on this problem set. Or like even talk about like relationship drama at the same time as, you know, sitting there like, what's the circuit diagram? But I have made sacrifices to be able to balance those things. Because if I, let's just say, you know, before I had a child, I made that choice. Do I want to be the best vet in the world in order for me to have achieved that? I think at that point I would have said, well, look, actually, if I really want to do that, I might hold off on doing the family thing. In fact, I might not do the family thing. So I would have made some sacrifices. And for me, having a family was important. I was willing to make sacrifices with my career in order to have that so I wasn't prepared to give up a career as long as those sacrifices that you're making you're happy with those mm. and it doesn't compromise your well your happiness that's what it comes down to I've worked with people who say you know what I am not happy um compromising anything on my career I worked this hard to get here if kids comes later fine but like this is my focus and so that that's just about where you put your priorities isn't it but having it all is it's really uh it's a really dangerous phrase isn't it because I don't think anyone will ever have it well having it all is kind of I see that as having 100% of everything and realistically I don't think that's possible because and we've all tried to be there haven't we? we've tried to take on lots of things and sometimes there's a danger then you become almost like a jack of all trades but you don't know any one thing very well or you don't do any one particular thing brilliantly so I think by default we almost have to pull back on each of those things just a little bit in order to take on more and more things but that's that's my take on it but maybe there are people out there who'll say you know what no I just push myself harder personally I'm not able to sustain that kind of thing I'd rather be a good mom and only have one kid and be a good vet and only you know work 28 hours a week as opposed to 40 but feel that I'm doing a good job at both of those things but there's a lot of pressure from my family my mom's side of the family um is Southeast Asian. So there is some of this Asian culture um, pushing for kids and because my mom wants her grandbabies to take care of, that kind of thing. And every family reunion, I got to say, hey, all, no, I am, I'm not getting married anytime soon and I'm not planning on kids anytime soon because I really need to just focus on myself first. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, not not to belittle getting a PhD because there's a lot of really great things that you learn on the way to getting that PhD. But honestly, um, I think that we sometimes assume that oh, I'm not smart enough for that, and and it really is not a question of of innate intelligence or or even school smarts. It's a measure of how hard you're willing to work for an extended period of time to 
reach this point. No, I think the message we need to give women is no matter what job you're going to do in STEM, if you want to have that family and be in that job, you can do it. But there will be sacrifices you may need to make. And I think every woman needs to be aware of that. The sacrifice may be, you know, you're not going to be at home every day to put your kids to bed. The sacrifice may be you're not going to be able to go for that promotion. Or it may be that you're going to go for a slightly lower pay grade and work slightly less hours in order to, to be there. But what are your priorities from the outset? If you're clear from the outset what you're trying to achieve in life, then of course um, it makes it easier. That's it for today. Isn't there something so liberating about letting your guard down and speaking your truth? It's not easy being in a minority as a woman in STEM or otherwise, but through this Christmas compilation series of six episodes, I hope you get some inspiration and comfort on how to be your best self and live up to your own fullest potential. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And catch you tomorrow for the last in this series of compilation episodes, episode 6.